So welcome to the Purpose to Performance first episode and uh, I'm delighted to say my guest today is Mark Dybel who is uh, probably my oldest friend. We actually went to, went to school together then uh, you know careers have gone in all different directions but uh, a lot of crossover as we'll as we'll get into as we go through. But Mark has had a, a extremely diverse career um, after school, university, uh, went down the mines, British coal and uh, working at the coal face. Then from there to the Booker Group in a couple of roles before becoming MD in Malaysia. So uh, moving overseas, quite a radical, radical move from uh, us boys from the northwest. Then came back with big company, Northwest Company, Littlewoods, um, and Shopping Direct as a programme manager, and then became a management consultant before joining Adidas, uh, as I recall, as head of supply chain logistics. And then 15 years ago, more or less, I think, became a business coach. So uh, very diverse career, both in terms of sectors, roles and, uh, and locations. Yeah, much like myself, but in, in, in different routes. So, yeah, delighted to have Mark on the show with me today. And uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about Mark's career and uh, his journey and and learnings through there. We're going to talk quite a lot about it, um, experience as a business coach, you know, who he works with, uh, how he helps them, what are the sort of challenges and his experiences there. And then uh, as well as all that, he's also now a budding author. So he's got a book coming out and we're going to talk about the book, which is... uh, very much about coaching entitled Your Guide to Building a Successful Business. So that's the agenda for today. Welcome, Mark. Thank you. So uh, I was just going to start off just inviting you to talk us a bit through your background. I mean, I've obviously given your, uh, your your CV, but tell us how it all came about. Well, like you say, we both went to school together. I seem to remember we did our O-levels and A-levels together. We did the same A-level subjects together. We uh, also played <coughs> uh, rugby together, so... I was a versatile wing forward whilst you were a mercurial scrum half, but the star of the show, I seem to remember. And I think we had a, an eventful skiing trip together with school as well. So that was a, a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, you've sort of outlined the sort of major staging posts uh, of my career. I summarise it now, having been a business coach, this is my 15th year, and I almost view my commercial general management career as an apprenticeship for what I do now. So um, very, very varied in terms of different sorts of roles and different companies and different locations. Uh, So I've had roles in sort of general management, in marketing, finance, uh, logistics, and both, as you mentioned there, you know, working uh, on a coalface as well as um, working as a uh, in the boardroom of PLCs as well. So I feel that I am good at moving between different situations and being able to communicate at different levels within an organisation. Um, so as I say, that it feels very much like it's an apprenticeship for uh, what I do now and the organisations that, that I work alongside. So, I mean, very, as you say, very varied. Um, was it, was it, how much was planned? How much was uh, responding to opportunities? You know, how, how, how did you navigate through that career and the choices you made? Uh, it, cer- it certainly wasn't planned uh, in the sense that 
sometimes I guess if you're going to become a, a doctor uh, and you work towards that and you're very focused on that or becoming a lawyer, it certainly wasn't that sort of a, a career. I guess one of my biggest influences was my dad who um, built up and ran uh, a number of different businesses, uh, the major one being in marketing and advertising. So his he had many, many different sorts of clients. So again, that sort of variety and that entrepreneurship, I think, was there somewhere in the background. Um, I happened to end up uh, doing engineering, um, which much of which was very much um, a sort of problem-solving career. And that was very, that was very deliberate. I felt that mining engineering was something that suited um, my nature and would also give me an opportunity to see the world. Uh, it's a little bit ironic that. I didn't move outside of the North Derbyshire coal field and it took something else to actually allow me to, to move to a couple of different places in the world. So that was a little bit ironic. So I would say most of it was opportunistic and responding to circumstances. And certainly something that suits my, my nature is, as I alluded to already, is the variety that I, I feel I like new things. Uh, new challenges, and I can adapt quite quickly to different situations. Uh, I think that re sort of reflects um, the career that I've had. So it certainly hasn't been been planned out. Perhaps in hindsight, it needed to be a little bit more planned out, but who knows? I guess one of the good things I did do, which, which we haven't mentioned, I know the other common thing we've got is that we both went to uh, Manchester Business School and did an MBA. And certainly after three years uh, being in engineering, uh, that was a fabulous opportunity, uh, really brilliant, one of the best things I've ever done. And also got the opportunity to study at McGill uh, in Montreal in Canada. But that really built on, built on the fact that I'd had some really good man management experience uh, working for British Coal. And then coupling that with a business degree as well uh, was a really sound platform to move into um, a very commercial arena. Um, mm. yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I know you know quite a few of the, the the young professionals that I coach. You know, we we talk about their career planning and and, and where they want to go, and you know, it's not always obvious, particularly I think in these days where you know uh, it, it's such a global environment. So there really are no restrictions in terms of where you work and which sectors you can work. And, and a lot of them, you know, struggle with, I've got to, or feel under pressure, I've got to have this plan and I've got to achieve this and that and the other. Uh, and I think, you know, we're both an example of, we didn't have a clear plan and, and we just went out and uh, took opportunities, you know, when and where they presented themselves, looked at them as opportunities to grow and, and learn something about ourselves as well as acquiring new skills along the way. And uh, yeah, when you look back, you know, we both achieved a, a lot and, and learned a lot, I think. Um, so, yeah, my, my message to a lot of the, the, the younger people that I, uh, I, I coach is, yeah, don't be too hung up upon, about having a fixed plan and be prepared to, to step out and see opportunities and step into them uh, yeah. and take yourself out of your comfort zone. Because I found, you know, when I've made my boldest steps is when I've learned most when I've been at my most uncomfortable. Um, uh, yeah, I find those are, that's where I really step up. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think probably a, a more important thing um, for younger people to become aware of as soon as possible, it took me a while, I think, is to become, to understand what your strengths are, what your talents are and what your potential strengths are and to play to those. And 
a lot of the time it's about marrying those up with, you know, opportunities where you can feel you can make a difference, situations that you feel passionate about. One thing that um, I encourage my own children to do, and I know you do as well, Andy, uh, and all the young people is, you know, to follow your heart, to invariably your intuition um, is a really good guide and uh, certainly don't chase the money so don't don't be swayed and led by the prospects of making a lot of money if it turns out it's something you don't like or something you're not good at um, whether you make the money or not we only get one go at this thing we call life and uh, we spend a lot of it lots of it working so yeah do do what you care about and do what you're passionate about and do what you you you're good at would be my I guess, principles rather than planets. It's having certain principles in place, I think, to guide you on your way. Definitely, definitely. I mean, yeah, very, very wise advice, uh, eloquently put. Um, so I, I'm 100% with you there. So in this, in this, uh, you know, I mentioned that I, I felt that challenges and, and, and when I've been under pressure was when I'm my best. What, what are some of the biggest challenges you faced in, in, in your career? Um. Uh, well, I guess the, f- the first one was that when I was relatively young. So when I, I had a year off when I left school and rather than travelling the world, I did go and work uh, for British Coal or the National Coal Board as they were then. Um, so both before going to college and afterwards, uh, so it, you know, it was a very tough working environment. So we're talking about the early 1980s, uh, so pre and post strike. Um, so that was a very tough industrial relations environment to be working in so I can't think that I was particularly good at it but I certainly learned a lot uh, through the process so I guess that would be one Uh, another occasion was working uh, in Malaysia so we I went there as there were two of us who went from a, a UK PLC and we had Chinese partners local Malay Chinese partners and we also had Malay partners uh, and the guy who was my boss at the time, uh, it was a diff. We were minority partners, and uh, the locals had a view on what should be happening. Even though we had ostensibly been brought in as the experts, uh, we were creating a, a grocery distribution business uh, out there, um, and that was the politics of that was really quite difficult. And I was a trading director so I looked after all the sort of nitty-gritty hands-on sorts of things and certainly for the first year or two sidestep most of the politics so I could watch that from a distance so when I got the opportunity to run and grow the organization I'd learned quite a lot through watching someone else have a really hard and tough time um, ironically I knew <laughs> that my uh lifespan there was limited that was just the nature of it um but i felt that i'd learned by observing somebody else uh, so again that was a particularly difficult time and whilst i was part of a large organization we were a long long way from home which was good in some ways in that we got to you know it, it felt like running your own business um uh, but in another way there wasn't the same support structure uh, that existed you know back back in the uk um, so what what age were you when um, you went to Malaysia? Uh, well, three of us went and four of us came back. So and Lily's twenty five. So it must have been about twenty seven years ago. So early early thirties. Yeah. So so quite young to quite young. To be, you know, and, and yeah, in terms of experience. 
I mean, so, ironically, uh, Andy, probably I, the one thing I would say, I was probably uh, from a PLC's point of view, I was we were both probably too young. It was good for us. But in those sorts of situations, if it was me now deploying people out there, I wouldn't be sending inexperienced people, even though it was good for us. Um, I would be sending out people who've done it before. There are situations where you overemploy and you send somebody out there who's done it before and they've learned under somebody else. Um, but as I say, their, their, <laughs> their failing was our, our gain because we learned huge amounts and we did a good job and we built a, a decent business. So, uh, yeah, it was a great experience. So if you had to pick one learning from that experience, what would it be? Um, probably when things got very tough. So I, the sort of, I guess, leader that I am, I'm very inclusive. And uh, I've always enjoyed bringing other, other people on, even though that's been, in a way, informal. Um, and I like tapping into other people's um ideas and strengths uh but when things got really tough and they did get tough i tended to withdraw and do more things myself and i think what that communicated um subtly and probably unconsciously was um a lack of trust or faith in other people so whilst things were going well i was quite happy to to delegate and encourage and all those good things but when things got very tough i i would i turned to myself and probably that was what i i learned most whereas i had i probably didn't need to do it was wasn't the right thing to do it wasn't i mean nothing disastrous happened but fortunately for me the people who the, the team we'd built there were strong enough to give me that feedback um so that was a, a good thing um so I, that, that's probably the biggest lesson and throughout this for you know the commercial part of your career you're working for other other companies where, where did you go to for advice and development and, and and mentoring um probably the person i learned most from was my dad so growing up in a household with somebody who was uh, it was, he was once described as the nicest workaholic you're ever likely to meet so he was work was his um <laughs> his life and as I say he built and ran his own businesses so I learned a lot from my dad so I'd always go back to ask my dad his thoughts and opinions I guess when I was in my 20s um, and in my teens I probably didn't listen to that as much as I should but probably by osmosis I learned a lot from him and and there's been a a few sort of key individuals uh, that I've known personally so what one thing one moment in my life was um, it was when we just got back from Malaysia I went to a a conference and one of the speakers a lady called Jill Garrett who was then the managing director of Gallup Europe um, did a fabulous talk about all the work that Gallup had done in essence it boiled down to you're far better off focusing on people's strengths and developing those than you are about trying to fix their weaknesses uh, in a nutshell. And that was a transformational moment for me. And and I've kept in touch with Jill uh, ever since. Um, And I I think, uh, yeah, a lot of the time I read, listen, watch. So whilst you will remember, I wasn't the most studious person at school. (laughs) Um, Ironically, once I left education, I did become studious. Um, So again, a lot of people, uh, you know, the Dale Carnegie's, Earl Nightingale, those sorts of individuals um, I used to read and listen to 
uh, as well. So as well as sort of individuals I'd meet, I'd know and meet personally, yeah, there were other people I'd meet through books and recordings as well. Yeah, fascinating. I have, I have great memories of of going with your dad to uh, to Goodison and uh, and watching uh, watching the football. But yeah, he was he was. I know you know. I know him personally. I know by reputation, a legend in the northwest, and just yeah, such a sincere, um, sincere and enthusiastic guy. Um, so yeah, it's. Uh, I, I can quite see how he was that a great inspiration for you. So. Successful career, you know, moved around the world, developed a family, everything's going great. And then you, big pivot into becoming a coach. What what was the motivation? What prompted that change? Um, uh, it was a little bit of a sort of perfect storm in a way, um, in that probably from the moment when I'd listened to the talk by Jill Garrett, I'd become very interested in leadership development, personal development, and I'd considered it on a you know a couple of occasions whether that was an area I should move into or not. Um, I always felt that I would end up having my own business, mainly because my dad had, but that that hadn't happened. And I I got to a stage I was working for uh, Adidas at the time, and we'd just taken over Reebok, and there was a a reshuffle, and the role I had uh, was made redundant. And I was sort of, I must have been sort of in my early 40s. And uh, it was just a moment in time where I thought, well, it's either now or never. And I couldn't really face going back into uh, another, you know, a corporate role. Um, There were certain things about the corporate life that didn't appeal. I must say there's elements that I miss now, but there's lots that I don't miss. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, On a personal basis as well, there there was things happening personally and I just thought oh this is a moment and um, I decided I actually joined a a franchise coaching organization uh, Action Coach and I was with them for four or five years Uh, and that was really great and um, and hard (laughs) Uh, so it was just a a moment a now or never moment why not give this a go Uh, invest in this franchise and just see where it takes us and it's it's been a great success. Fifteen years on, you, you've got a, a great practice. Tell us a little bit about who you coach and who your client base is, and what sort of issues do you coach them on? Yeah, I guess just to go back a minute, I wouldn't. It certainly wasn't um, a success from day one. I do remember what what people don't tell you when you leave the corporate world and you perhaps invest in something like a franchise, um, which is a good thing to do if you want to start your own business because. Yeah, there's lots of systems and processes. There's a model there for you to to work if you choose to work it well. But I suddenly realized that whilst I thought I would be coaching people all day, every day, I was, in fact, um, it was sales and marketing virtually all day. Uh, And, you know, if I didn't sell something, then I wasn't going to eat. Um, So it certainly wasn't, um, you know, (laughs) successful from day one. Um, But to answer your question, Andy, the sorts of people I work with are predominantly people who have set up and run their own business. So it's people, owner managers, I guess, and many of whom haven't worked in the corporate world, many of whom haven't got a a university education, uh, but they've been good at something. They've decided they'd give it a go themselves. 
they've been successful. Uh, they've started to recruit people. They've had no formal training. Um, and many of them end up you know, with good businesses, but they're almost overcommitted. So they're overcommitted and often their team are undercommitted and they're, they're running at 100 miles an hour. And yeah, often when we meet, they, some, you know, they can be, they're at a level uh, and things are okay, but they don't know how to get to the next level or they don't know how to reduce the hours that they're actually having to invest in the business on a day-by-day, week-by-week basis. Mm-hmm. So you you get this engagement, you've got this business, running a successful business, but yeah, part of it is the business is running the boss and the boss isn't running the business. Um, what, what, what's, uh, what, what's, what's the sort of first step that you, you, uh, you jump into with, with a, you know, that type of client? Um, um, it, initially, it depends on what the situation is. Um, so sometimes there's something expedient that needs sorting out. So there might be a cash flow issue, say, and it's like before you start thinking about visions and plans and all the rest of it, it's like we need we've got an issue here and we need to resolve it. And we need to resolve it quickly. So usually we try and discover those things because mo- in, in general, the the initial conversation usually is about business development. Everybody needs more business. Mm-hmm. And but when you get in there, there's, it, often it's not more business they need. It's It's sorting out what they've already got and creating a strong stable platform on which to develop the business um, but what I quite often like doing is finding uh, between us you know we because it is a partnership but finding something where we can get some kind of a quick win so they can start to see that by doing just things just a slight tweak somewhere uh, they can see a real improvement and if that can be a financial improvement um, that gives them a lot of confidence that by working with somebody from outside the organization, they can start to see improvement. Uh, and then beyond that, it's it's um, it's understanding what they want to achieve long-term and then working back from that point um, to create, I, I typically, and it's certainly not unique, work, working quarterly chunks. So just developing quarterly plans uh, with people. So every three months, um, we're, we're coming up to the end of September. So sitting down, understanding how the last quarter's gone, what's gone well, what's not gone so well, what we're going to carry forward. Um, you know, are we still heading towards where we need we want to be heading towards what the priority is going to be for the next quarter, who's going to do what, what might get in the way, how can we reduce the likelihood of those things getting in the way, what we're going to do if they do get in the way. So bringing that discipline and structure um, I mean, one of the things when you run your own business that you don't have uh, is a boss. And whilst that initially is quite appealing, not having someone above you holding you accountable uh, is can be a difficult thing. Um, so it's a bit yeah. of a two-edged sword. Yeah, a lot, a lot of the business uh, clients that, that I have, um, that's one of the things they say, you know, that at times it can be quite lonely. Uh, very. Um Typically, you find everybody at work thinks you've got all the answers, and obviously you don't. <laughs> and everybody at home certainly doesn't want to know that you know you've got a cash flow issue, or there might be a chance that you can't pay the mortgage or the school fees or something like that. So it can be uh, you know a very lonely place. Um, so to have someone alongside you who's got your best interests at heart, 
um, that you trust is, yeah, it's a real, it's a real godsend. So people, you know, maybe, uh, you know, business owners, entrepreneurs, people who just started their own companies and they're, they're listening to this and they're, they're thinking, oh, yeah, that'd be great. You know, somebody to come along and, and solve all my problems uh, and, and help me see the light. How, how much is, you know, how much is it you solving the problems or how much is it the business owner solving the problems? Who, who's determining the agenda and how does that partnership work? Um. I would say in a, a pure, I, I wouldn't describe myself a, as a coach in a pure sense. So the, the major coaching philosophy is that the the person, the coachee, if you like, the person you're coaching has the answers. And your job is to draw out those answers. Uh, so I was thinking of myself as a mixture between a sort of consultant and a coach. And sometimes if you can see something that needs doing, I guess you, I try and facilitate a discussion that gets to the person making, seeing what needs to be done and making that decision. So it's much, so I rarely tell somebody that they need to do something, very rarely. Um, but I wouldn't describe what I do as, as pure coaching. Uh, and sometimes clients will turn around and just say, will you just tell me what to do? <laughs> None of this questioning, just tell me what I need to do um so it's a real it's but it's it's quite surprising how um sometimes clients can if you meet them for i don't know 50 minutes 90 minutes whatever it is and you hardly say anything you you ask a few pertinent questions and at the end of the session um the client will say oh thanks for that <laughs> and you think well <laughs> i didn't but when we for all of us, um, when we verbalise our thinking and we speak out loud and we hear ourselves, often we do genuinely solve our own problems. And um, and that is why just, you know, to me, coaching is something that just benefits everybody. Everybody needs a coach periodically. So, yeah, I think it is, you know, the way somebody described it was, it was the the amplification of the think of the thinking, the unlocking, and just having that thinking buddy is often all a person needs to, you know, as you say, when you started, you know, when you create a business, it's because you have an idea, a concept, or uh, some expertise in something. So they're the expert. In, you know, nobody knows their business better than those. I mean, they've lived it and breathed it from from giving birth to to it. So yeah, so uh, I guess a lot of it is helping them uh, structure and unlock and deepen their thinking. But at the same time, yeah, you've got this rich uh, experience of different sized companies and, and different sectors and different roles. So so when you have some insight, it is an opportunity to to share that and invite them to consider that or bring that in the, into their thinking. So that adds value for them. You know, and that's that's the benefit of, I guess, choosing a business coach who has uh, an extensive, expansive experience and, and has been there, suffered the problems, you know, felt the emotions and can really empathise and understand what they're going through, as yeah. opposed to, you know, uh, somebody who's just gone out pretty much from, from school or university and, and trained as a coach. Um, not, not decrying that, you know, they, they may be expert in, in the, the art of coaching, but in a business context, you perhaps lack some 
of that uh, that experience, which adds value on top of the 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 the, the, yeah. the straightforward coaching process. Absolutely. I mean, the other obviously we've not been able to do this for the last eighteen months, but I used to run planning workshops where business owners would come together, and one of the key values of that. Uh, well, two, which aren't obvious. One is just to be in a room with like-minded people. Uh, I always remember a lady telling me she ran a garage, ironically, full of mechanics, ma- male mechanics. And she said, oh, it's so nice to get away and just be with other open-minded, ambitious people. And and then the other thing was that um, people said it was just so reassuring to meet other business owners who hadn't got it all sorted out. Because when you run your own business, you, you you often think that everybody else has got it sorted. They've got all their forecasts done. They've got all the systems for recruitment. They've got everything that they need. But once they start talking to other business owners, they realize <laughs> that they're no different. And all of a sudden, that's a relief that they can actually then say, oh, well, I haven't got this and I haven't got that. But they're doing OK. So despite not having everything in place, they're still doing OK and you know, they're, they're, they're there wanting to learn, wanting to get better, wanting to improve. So having that community aspect is something that's very useful as well. Um, and, you know, hopefully, you know, something that we've probably all missed out on. I mean, Zoom, you can do it by Zoom, but it's often not quite the same as being in the same room as other people. And Yeah, so, I, yeah, I was going to move on to, you know, uh, Obviously, we, we've all just been through COVID. It's having a massive impact on us both personally, socially, uh, and, and business-wise, and the, and the whole broader economy, as well as the health of the, the world. How have things changed for you in, in terms of business coaching in the last couple of years? Um, well, if we're talk, talking about COVID specifically, um, I mean, certainly when back in the day when I worked uh, – when I was part of the Action Coach franchise, many of the coaches in the States and in Australia could only coach by telephone just because of the distances involved. Whereas in the UK, we always felt that we had to visit everybody. And um, <laughs> and that's not true. So I always like to do planning sessions face-to-face. But a lot of the sessions in between times, um, Zoom and the phone, and I prefer phone personally, um, works well. And so that has been one of the real pluses that's come out of this. Um, and also the fact that you can be working. So I worked for a number of years now with um, a large, large-ish franchise right at home. So they've got about 70 odd offices and work with about 10 or a dozen of their franchisees each year. And they're all spread out throughout the UK. So we meet under normal circumstances, three times a year for a planning session, review and planning session. And then in between times, we meet on the phone. Uh, the reason why I prefer the phone to Zoom is it, it I don't have to feel I've got to maintain eye contact. I can wander around the room. I can look things up. I can, you know, so often I think by walking around. So that suits me personally better. Uh, but certainly technology, you know, just avoiding travel and making cups of coffee and all those sorts of things um, has made us more efficient. And I believe um, equally, if not more effective, which is the key thing. Mm. So, yeah. So I know uh, how, how you've invested this, uh, the, the time that's come from this efficiency in that you've, uh, 
you've written a book. Tell us uh, what, what, what was the motivation behind that? What, what prompted you to write the book? Um, I'd probably thinking back, uh, was a few things. So I, I know other people, um, what I'd call amateur authors. So people like ourselves who've written books. So I often thought if they could do it, why can't I do it? And I found myself, uh, I'd written a blog for a long time and I'd had some really positive feedback from it. And it had been, it had actually resulted in um, a couple of clients where I knew that it was the blog that had helped me secure those clients. And the fact that I had good feedback from people that I respected was very encouraging because at school, I'm thinking now, particularly primary school, um, my English exercise book margins were littered with in red pen, SP times 10, SP times 10. And because I, and I still struggle to spell, uh, I felt that I couldn't write. I don't know whether that was me believing that or I was told that, but either way, I believed I couldn't write. And one of the things that I discovered through looking at strengths was that a piece of writing that's grammatically correct and has no spelling mistakes in it is not an A-grade piece of writing. Writing is about taking the ideas and thoughts in your head and communicating them on on paper in the written form. Um, and I the other thing was that I'd found myself often saying the same things to different clients. So I decided I started building up a little library of articles that I could send to people. So if it was something to do with collecting customer reviews or you know whatever it was, um, and I started to build up this library. And then I thought, well, I could actually put all these together and it would form perhaps, you know, a book. So anyway, uh, lockdown came along. And at the same time, my son was writing up his thesis. So he was dedicating a couple of hours every day to writing. And I thought, well, why not get up a bit earlier? You know, just sit down and start writing a book. So I planned it all out with a, uh, a mind map. Uh, I had some elements of it already. Uh, I decided I was going to do it. So I, I invested in an editor and we used to meet an editor stroke mentor. We met once a month and she gave me feedback on what I'd written. Uh, I invested in getting a designer who would lay out the book. Um, so I had some skin in the game uh, and I enjoyed the process and it just became habitual that every day I'd spend an hour or two first thing in the morning um, writing. Um, and I have to say, I didn't want to write just a book. It had to be a decent book. So I didn't just, it wasn't a case of this is, I've just got to write a book. I wanted it to be good. And that was my brief to the editor was that this has to be an okay, decent book. Uh, and I feel that I have, a ch I know I'm saying that this myself and nobody's read it yet. Um, but I feel that it is a decent book that anybody who wants to improve their leadership skills, management skills, improve their personal development over and above, you know, whether it's a business owner or not, would actually get a lot of value out of it. Uh, so it's, I feel good. It's got good practical ideas in there. And mm, I, I have to say for somebody, I've not read it cover to cover, but I've had a good dip into it. And uh, it, it, it absolutely uh, qualifies well above, you know, is it going to be okay? Is it good? I, I, I thought it was phenomenal. I was, uh, uh, really impressed and what impressed me well first the size of it I mean it, it's it's the scope of it uh is uh is really comprehensive in terms of running a business it, it really covers all the bases and 
what I liked most about it was that it didn't shy away from the complex issues or the technicalities, but you explain them in such a straightforward, jargon-free, no-bull manner with real practical examples of how you take the first steps. So it just invites the reader to think, okay, yeah, I, I, I can do that. I get that. There's nothing in that description that is making me nervous or shying me away or thinking I don't get it. And it's actually stuff that, you know, or maybe I'm, I'm already doing some of it, but yeah, I could just try that. I could try this. So it's one of those books where, I mean, it's great, it's great to read it. it. It just flows. But equally, you don't need to read it. You, it's so well indexed and structured. You can just go and go, hmm, yeah, uh, I've got a bit of an issue or a concern about business development. Mm, right, okay. I'll go into that chapter. What, you know, you read about the things that you could, you know, the tactics you could employ, how to get started with them. So, yeah, I found it um, an incredibly polished, well thought out uh, book. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> if you could just leave that on Amazon, that'd be marvellous. <laughs> <laughs> so when, when you were writing it, were you, presume, I'm guessing that you, you, had in your mind the clients that you're coaching and, the, and it really just is an extension of of what you've been doing for 15 years in helping people think through and find the solutions to the problems they have in running all aspects of their business uh yes in a way uh, i guess one thing that has happened over the years uh, hopefully um you mentioned the simplicity of it and the and the I'm conscious of helping people get going. Hmm. So um, I, I want people to uh, progress, to move from where they are to where they want to be and to make some progress. And it doesn't matter if it's small. The key is to take that first step. And I think that is, um, uh, hopefully that's something that runs throughout the book and through my coaching. So a lot of the time it's about just nudging people enough so they start moving and they can see some progress. But yeah, I guess I, I do, as I was writing, I was thinking of uh, certain clients, current clients, former clients. Yeah, and, and aiming to keep things simple, make, make them very readable. Yeah, I guess, again, probably if I think back these days, if I don't know something, I'm quite happy to say, I don't know. <laughs> You'll have to find out, won't you? <laughs> and when you find out, let me know as well, because I don't know how to do that. Whereas when I started off, I felt I needed to have all the answers um, to justify, you know, the fact that they were paying me, I needed to have the answers. Whereas I'm a, a lot more relaxed now that I don't, obviously, we, none of us know everything. And yeah. Yeah. And what, what, what we know today might not be relevant tomorrow. You know, there's something new to learn <laughs> every day and, and uh, yeah, every experience. But yeah, I, I would totally echo that. One of the most powerful messages that, or, or lessons I've learned is, you know, when you when you're feeling any doubt or lacking confidence take some action because yep. just the process of stepping in and breaking that inertia you, you, your mind is in a different place so you're not thinking about all the things that could go wrong you're in the game you're playing the game you, you're taking some action and then when you finished it you can you always get the opportunity to look back and go yeah i did that well or no i made a right hash of that well yeah what would i what would i do differently next time so yeah yeah, take action is, uh, I think, a, a, a great lesson to carry around with you. Yeah. 
So where can our, our listeners find the book? I, I know it's available from the 14th of September, but where, uh, where yeah, can yeah. people go out and buy it? It's, um, here it is. <laughs> and I have a fairly unique name. So if you just go into Amazon and um, key in Mark Diable, it'll pop up there. Uh, so from the 14th, yeah, you'll be able to order that. Uh, or you can order it direct as well. So if you people want to go to my website, I think it's my, slightly cheaper if you order it direct and I'll pop it in the post. Um, so that's just markdiable.com. And hopefully it'll be available in other bookstores as well. I'd, I wouldn't like to think that it is only available through Amazon. And I do have, I've not formulated these plans yet, but I really would like to try and promote it through independent bookshops quite sure what that looks like yet um but even perhaps having some events where you know perhaps with other people as well you could put on some kind of business networking event at a local bookstore not 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 particularly to you know sell the book necessarily it's um well who knows it might make me a rich person but it's unlikely to but just to bring people particularly you know independent business owners together and I think an independent bookshop store, you know, is a great location. Uh, I'm a real, it's a, it's a happy, happy day when uh, a client who's never had time to read or not, not the inclination turns around and tells me something about they've read in a book and they've, they've given, they've implemented it in their business is like, oh my, that's fantastic. So when they start asking, saying, have you read this book? And I say, I've not read that. They said, oh, I really recommend you read it. So that, that is a good day. So I'm a, strong advocate that books um are you know great they're a shortcut to learning uh, you know a lot of practical applicable things that we can apply to business and to life excellent excellent so what what's what's next you know successful business codes you know now to be successful author what what's <laughs> uh, what do you got planned for the for the future um, <laughs> um i guess more of the same really um so I guess one one thing I've become aware of is that um, I I really do and and I I feel a, a real strength is when people need to change. So when either a person or a business is stuck, whether you know circumstance changing a changing commercial environment means that people have got to change or create you know alternative income streams or whatever it might be. So I really enjoy that process of helping people find new directions or become unstuck and get moving. So I think I'm better at and prefer that to, if you like, ongoing maintenance. Um, mm -hmm. So I'd probably be looking for opportunities with organisations or individuals um, to do that, if you like, change management or that strategic element, uh, business development. But, uh, you know, maintaining that variety as well. And I'm feeling there's a little bit of me that you know, almost feels, you know, yeah, well, writing one book's fine, but could you do a second or a third? So <laughs> I've got ideas for one or two other books and I did enjoy the process. So um, um, who knows, perhaps there's a, another book. Uh, but yeah, just having having finished that and now I've got to, I guess, spend a little bit of time uh, promoting it. Uh, there aren't any sort of major projects on the horizon. I know you and I have talked about uh, potentially uh, running some workshops, uh, perhaps changing, I mean, changing people's environments, I think really important when you're doing anything to do with change and, and planning and any strategy. So perhaps doing some things over in Mallorca uh, in the sunshine might be quite nice when we're allowed to do that. Uh, 
So who knows? Yeah, yeah. I would. Yeah, a little yeah. bit of collaboration would be good fun. Exactly. Yeah. As I said right at the start, you know, our, our lives have taken yeah similar paths and crossed over, and, and there's periods where we've been in touch a lot. And not, but yeah, yeah, I'm very much enjoying the fact that now we're back in 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 similar roles, and uh, yeah, would would very much look forward to doing something together, um, whether it be. Uh, over here in sunny Spain or back in, back in the UK. So just to close, if I invited you to pick out one or two pieces of advice you'd give to, to our kids or, or people just launching businesses and, and starting out with, with, with everything ahead of them, what, what would be one or two key tenants that you would you know, set in their minds as to how they should go th- about it? Um. I if I if it was somebody setting out starting out to run their own business uh, and their whether it's their mo- own money or they're they're borrowing money from family and friends or from the bank or wherever to build in uh, an investment fund for their development and some of that I, I would say um, as part of that development fund to use some of that for a, a role like a mentor or a coach. And sometimes you can get that for people are willing to do that uh, without charging. But often I think when you charge, (laughs) you've got a bit of skin in the game. Um, And that is the one thing that most new business owners neglect is their own development. And ironically, the of all the important things in a business, uh, the person running it is the most important. And if you've not done it before, then it's good to get get some help and to get into place some kind of some structures. So a structure to your day, a structure to your week, a structure to your quarter, to schedule into your diary those planning sessions, regardless of how busy the business is and how many plates you've got to keep spinning. Uh, And I do that from the outset. Um, Probably youngsters, um, if anybody's got aspirations of perhaps running their own business, Things like getting involved in things like network marketing uh, is pretty good. So my stepdaughter uh, is doing really well with a company called Arbon, And I think what network marketing does for you is it teaches you to sell, mm-hmm. uh, which is a really good skill to have. If you're going into your own business and you, you know how to sell, then that's a really great start. And you can do something like that alongside a more traditional job and as I say, if you've got aspirations to run your own business, you know, you might not be earning lots of money, but that's when you're young, it's unimportant. What's more important is what you learn. And if you're looking not just to do a good job and do it well for the person who's paying you to do it, but you're you're, you're wanting to learn, you're taking on extra responsibility, you're doing things you're not being paid for, but you know that you're just learning a lot and you can you take that learning with you. you can, no one can never take that away from you. Hmm. it's almost like uh, you know you're investing in yourself absolutely your future self absolutely Uh, it's one of those things where as I say it's it's as they say I forget who it was perhaps it was someone like Jim Jim Rome in your uh, you know in your 20s it's not what you earn it's what you learn Um, and I guess if I went back in time that is you know I'd be more conscious of that but hey hindsight's a, a wonderful thing but as I say I'd just reiterate whoever you know whatever you you know to understand what you are good at I, I i'm somewhere I'm, i don't sign up to this you can be anything you want to be i believe that we have natural talents and the sooner we can discover those and develop them and use them 
uh, for the benefit of other people, the better. So discover what you're good at. Do do as much as you can of it, um, and do do something you care about. Do something you're passionate about. You know, follow your heart more. You'll be fine. Don't yeah. worry about the money. <laughs> <laughs> Wise advice. I, th- I think that's right. It's the passion that gets you out of the bed in the morning, not the money. So listen, thank you so much. It's been uh, it's been great fun chatting, and uh, yeah, hopefully we've. Uh, We've given some some people some more things to think about and uh, more opportunities to to learn about themselves and uh, and their businesses. So thank you very much for your time, Mark. And thank you. Uh, yeah, thank you to our listeners. Uh, if uh, be really grateful if you like, subscribe, and, and review. And see you next time on the Purpose to Performance podcast. Bye.